As the demand for telemedicine grows, so does the need for connectivity. 5G meets that need. Qualcomm remains focused on giving doctors and patients superior, security-rich 5G connectivity. Learn more at qualcomm.com slash inventionage. taught to save money how about getting out of debt and how about you know for your retirement investing for the long term in the stock market if you guys have believed that BS this is your show because all of that stuff is paper it's printed but the bigger question goes from the rich dad company or my rich dad the question I ask people is what did school ever teach you about money I'll say it again. What did school ever teach you about money? And who the hell is running our financial system? Aren't the people just like my poor dad, highly educated academics who would die without a paycheck, who would die without a retirement plan? People who have no real idea what money really is or where it comes from. So if any of you are sitting with the age-old beliefs that mommy and daddy gave you that, you know, there's job security and there is none anymore, or how about save, or how about get out of debt, or, you know, get a 401k or an IRA in retirement, you know, I mean, for those of you who still believe in the Easter Bunny and those lies, we have our program for you. And if for those of you who know, since 1983 or all I've been saying is we've been lied to. We've been lied to. You know, and, and I realize we're being lied to because I'm a military academy graduate. I fought in Vietnam, and I realize we've been lied to. And we've been lied to very innocent people, you know, people who have no idea what money is. You know, for example, we didn't fight in Vietnam to save us from communism. We were fighting for oil, you know, because oil is money today. So anyway, today we have a very special show at, so for those of you who are comforted in, comforted in your beliefs that, you know, maybe Obama will get reelected or Trump will disappear or you'll be saved by our government or that your 401k will keep going up or that your savings will not be depleted, please listen to this program. So our special guest today is somebody which I love dearly. She is on the inside. She knows where money comes from. She is on the inside to the world economy of paper money. And I mean paper. And our guest today, she's been with us many times. She's one of the best commentators we've had on our program because she's not afraid of speaking her mind. Her name is Danielle DiMartino Booth. Her book is just out. It's called Fed Up. Fed Up. And it's about our Federal Reserve Bank. You know, back, back in 1944, the Federal Reserve Bank became the most powerful bank in world history. And the average American has no idea or what the Fed is. They have no idea. And during the crisis, when the crash started, when it started to crash in 2000 and all this, people don't even know what role the Fed played in it. So all of you who are in la-la land, who believe in 
God, Mother Nature, and the Easter Bunny, this is your program. Because you're going to find out your money is in serious, serious trouble because of a thing called the Fed. So, Danielle, welcome to the program again. Delighted to be with you. What good news do you have for those people living in la-la land who believe in job security, saving money, debt, retirement, and all things paper? Hmm. Um, I hope they have generous benefactors that go right there with the Easter Bunny. (laughs) I agree. So tell us about your uh, escapades in the Fed and how you got fed up yourself. Well, so, you know, a, a lot of people, uh, there, there's been very little in the way of pushback since the book came out, and that's been really gratifying. But the little bit of criticism I've had has come from people who said, but wait, the Fed saved the world in 2008. It, it, <laughs> it drew us back from the great abyss. It prevented the, the next great depression. And A, my mother raised me right. Never, ever answer your critics. And plus, I get to have a little bit of inner, inner joy, schadenfreude, thinking to myself, they really believe that. Yep. But B, if I was to answer them, I would say, well, who do you think got us into the great crisis in the first place? Yep. And, you know, and, and that would be Mr. Greenspan himself, Alan Greenspan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chairman Greenspan, who was once, who was once a, you know, a Mises guy, a hard money guy, and he saw the lights of Washington, D.C., and... You know, change his feathers, if you know what I mean. He became very political, and he actually owned up to that fairly recently that he didn't, he didn't want to disappoint anybody. No, no, and I'm no. I'm sitting he, there saying to myself, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, 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 you're supposed to be safeguarding the value of the buying power of the U.S. dollar, and you didn't want to disappoint a politician? How, about, how did you get involved in that criminal, I mean, the uh, Fed? <laughs> Well, I got involved with the Fed because a very outside thinker joined the Fed, um, Richard Fisher, and started reading some of my, oh, I don't know, criticisms of Alan Greenspan and trying to get every Tom, Dick, and Harry on planet Earth to own a home before they could afford it, and ended up calling me to work inside the Fed. And that was what... uh, as far as I was concerned, I was answering a calling, and there's no hyperbole there. I'm not not trying to paint myself as somebody better than I was, but I said, gosh, this is, an out- this is an outsider. Maybe if I work for an outsider and he's an outsider and neither of us are PhDs in economics, we certainly would never call anybody doctor who didn't have a prescription pad. Maybe we can make a difference together. So what happens? You come in from the real world and you enter this magical kingdom called the Fed. It was kind of like a hospital. Or maybe a hospital and a library combined. Very sterile, aesthetic, quiet. And this is in 2006 when housing is blowing up and my hair is on fire and the world is ending as we know it and, you know, trouble starting to brew, you know, at some of these big investment banks. And I come in and it's just like nothing's happening here. It's all good. And I said to myself, what on earth? But I said, you know what? Put your seatbelts on. You know the world's going to blow up. Wait until after the crisis, and then you can really make a difference because then they'll recognize the error of their ways, and you could help design a whole new institution. Mm-hmm. No, that didn't happen. No, it'll, it'll never happen. So what warning would you say to – rich dad are full of average people who didn't go to Harvard, Yale, or Oxford, or Columbia, NYU, and don't have PhDs in econ- economics. 
what warning would you have for the average person like me? Well, I would say that so little in the way that policymakers inside the Fed changed, so little changed, that they still believe that trying to pump up asset prices, whether it be high-end real estate or the stock market or the bond market or commercial real estate is an accident waiting to happen, that they believed that trying to create paper gains out of thin air was the best way to heal the economy and put it on stronger footing. Well, all they're really doing is inflating one bubble after another. They're serial bubble inflators, and I would be concerned for the baby boomer generation that maybe doesn't have the wherewithal to rejoin the workforce as they turn into their 70s, that they need to be very wary of where their money is right now because all of these asset markets are very stretched. So once again, we're talking to Daniel D. Martino Booth. She's been on our program a lot, uh, many, many times. I love talking to her because she does not hold punches here. And her latest book is Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve Bank is bad for America. You know, I called uh, the Fed central banking, just like um, communism is called central economy, you know, central control. Mm -hmm. It's basically, you know, I look at it and I go, what is wrong with America? Why don't we have financial education in school? And how can we have, I mean, the Fed has more PhDs in economics than any other organization in the world. And yet they still get it wrong. And so the story of Rich Dad, Poor Dad goes, see, my poor dad is one of those academics who went to Stanford, University of Chicago, and Northwestern, and he had not a clue about money, not a clue. And my opinion of PhDs has always been PhDs stands for poor, helpless, and desperate. They live in these little bubbles of theory, no reality. So that's why I, I love having you on the program because you're inside the program. You've been inside the Fed. And I sit on the outside and wonder, what are those guys smoking? I can't believe it. And he just said in 2006, they had no idea there was a bubble. And this new Fed chairman, Yellen, you know where she comes from, UC Berkeley. And her husband is another one of those PhDs from UC Berkeley. And for those of you who are not old enough to remember, back during the Vietnam War, that's where most communists were. They are at Berkeley. They, they were the guys protesting guys like me who were on our way to Vietnam. So I look at all of this stuff as just an extended version of rich dad and poor dad. So all these bubbles, what do you think that's going to be a crash soon? Well, I think that unlike what Janet Yellen says, certain things do come to an end. The business cycle was named a business cycle because it's supposed to be cyclical. So I think if people have an appreciation for how deep we are into the current cycle, then they would also follow that with very prudent investing decisions and making sure that they preserve what they have, as so, opposed to praying to God that it keeps growing. Well, how about the audacity, hope, you know, hope, as Obama's message was. You know, hope, to me, hope was always hopeless, was for the hopeless people. And my whole point at Rich Dad, Poor Dad is we are run by a bunch of academics who are hopeless. That is the problem. This is a very, very, very important program because we're talking about one of the most mysterious organizations on planet Earth, and it's called the Fed. And most people don't even know what the Fed is, does, or why it exists, or why it has so much power, who's inside the Fed, and how the Fed affects your life. 
The first person on our program is Daniel Diamartino Booth. She is a former senior financial advisor analyst with the Federal Reserve of Dallas. In other words, she is an insider. Her latest book is Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad, not only for America, Danielle, I think for everybody. And the second guest joining us now is John Tamney. He's editor of Real Clear Markets, political economic editor at Forbes, one of the best magazines there is. And he is the author of Who Needs the Fed? So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who bought, who drank the Kool-Aid, who bought the idea of go to school and get a job, you know, just save money, get out of debt, and your retirement is safe in a 401k, this is your program. Because affecting all of those fallacies is the Fed. So, John, welcome to the program. And why did you write Who Needs the Fed? Uh, mainly because I wanted to understand it better. And I want to stress that it's actually a very optimistic book that basically says the Fed's not that consequential. It began 100 years ago as a lender of last resort to solvent banks, uh, but it's unheard of for a solvent bank to go to the Fed for a loan simply because it's an admission of bankruptcy, which means the Fed has existed to prop up the insolvent and weaken the banking system overall. Uh, the Fed's a bank regulator, but it's a tragically bad one. Um, it's bailed out Citigroup five times in the last 25 years. Uh, we're asking regulators to do the impossible, which is to see into the future. Can't do that. The Fed targets a rate at which banks lend to one another. You don't need the Fed for that. And so my book, once again, basically shows how the real economy, the productive economy, has innovated around what is antiquated and irrelevant. And Danielle, uh, being an insider at the Federal Reserve of Dallas, what, would, what do you have to say, and why did you write your book, again, Fed Up? Well, you know, I haven't been a, a, great, uh, a great fan of the conspiracy theorists, and they don't love me very much either, um, because to use John's term, inconsequential, it's pretty spot on. Uh, there's, no, there's no secret order working inside the Fed to make sure that the banking system, you know, continues to, to be the, the greediest people on earth and rob people blind, et cetera. It really is just a thousand some odd PhDs who've been deeply infected by groupthink and who politicians really like to lean on uh, to do their work for them because they can't make a decision. Okay, so rather than that, they, they prefer this, this lovely elixir of low interest rates so that they don't have to do their job and they can get people to go out and borrow and borrow to spend. So you kind of create this illusion of economic prosperity. But as I've heard you say, it's, it's not about borrowing. Well, there's monetary policy and fiscal policy. Isn't the government supposed to be fiscal policy, how you spend your money? They are. You know, the Fed has two jobs, but it has not always had two jobs. Um, in 1977, the Fed went from being an institution whose sole focus was maintaining the buying power of your, of your dollar, making sure your paycheck could go the furthest possible. The Congress expanded that, that, that job to be to where they also had to try and make sure that there were as many jobs created as possible. And lo and behold, you put uh, somebody in charge of that that really nature did not intend to be that way, and they end up being infected with what I call mission creep. And, uh, Robert, I think we need to go back at, at a very minimum to, to the Fed having just one job and leave it in the hands of the fiscal authorities and, more importantly, the private sector. 
Okay, so so John, what do you say to that, or what was your point of view? And again, who needs the Fed as your book in popular economics? What's motivating you? Because it takes a lot to write a book. Well, well, I'm with with Danielle that mission creep has been uh, a big problem for the Fed. Uh, the idea that we would empower it to oversee full employment is just an absurdity. But I would I would add that it was never the Fed's job, and, and Danielle surely knows this. Even though it's charged with maintaining the dollar value of the dollar, and that if we look at the past hundred years, what were the two major devaluations of the currency? The first one was 1933. FDR did that. The Fed begged him not to do that. Fed Chair Eugene Meyer resigned over FDR's decision. Fast forward to 1971. Fed Chairman Arthur Burns begged Richard Nixon and the U.S. Treasury to not delink the dollar from gold. They were rebuffed once again. The Fed, once again, just isn't that important. It hasn't even done all the dastardly things that we say that it's done. It's, as Danielle says, basically a full employment act for economists living in this other world whereby economic growth causes inflation, which it doesn't. And then the Fed sets a zero rate of interest that, as evidenced by market forces, no one abides. In Silicon Valley, interest rates are incredibly expensive. Credit's very expensive out there. Investment bankers are paid well precisely because credit's expensive. Michael Milken made a fortune based on credit being expensive. We operate around the Fed as though it doesn't exist. Well, let me ask, before going, I understand that, but it does exist. So my question is, what happened in 1933? You have 33 and 71. Most people understand 71 fairly clearly. You know, we were supposedly, the dollar was supposedly backed by 20% gold, which was the Bretton Woods Agreement. What happened in 33 for you? Well, it was very simple. President, the Fed controls inflation, but its version of inflation, or it presumes to control inflation based on economic growth, but inflation is a decline in the value of the unit of account, in our case, the dollar. The Fed has never had control over that. It's never – the exchange control of the exchange rate is not part of the Fed's portfolio. So FDR got into office. He decided to redefine the dollar as 135th of an ounce of gold rather than 120th. The Fed was toothless to do anything about it. Arthur Burns knew economics better than Richard Nixon in '71. He explained to them, do not delink the dollar from gold, you fool. That's going to be disastrous for the U.S. economy. But the Fed doesn't control that, and so President Nixon decided to delink the dollar from gold and got the devaluation that he wanted. I'm, I'm not defending the Fed. No, I'm, I'm glad you say that, but you see the whole point here is the same word pops up. It's called gold. It's say, the same word pops up all the time. You know, FDR was about reevaluating the revaluing the price of gold to the dollar and all this stuff, but nobody really talks about what happened after 1971 when gold was no longer a part of it. So that's well, kind of... I'm going to jump in here for a second. Yeah. Substitute the word discipline for gold and I, move I, on. Amen. And that's why, John, yeah. you know, I, I was listening to Steve. He and I were co-speakers at some place in Las Vegas, I think. And he said something that was really profound to me. He said, when you could trust your currency, i.e. gold, money, not currency, but you could trust gold. You could trust gold. But when you can't trust your money, your, your currency, because it's printed, and you can't trust the people you do business with, trust goes out the window all over the place. And he says that's why we have so much chaos in the world today. That was his point of view. 
is when you don't trust your money, then the question is, who do you trust? Any comments? Oh, absolutely. Oh, completely. Uh, Adam Smith got it right hundreds of years ago. Quote, the sole use of money is to circulate consumable goods. Money is a measure. We happened upon gold as a definer of money, not just because someone told us to, but gold is the commodity that historically has held its value the best. And so currencies have historically been defined by gold. That allows us to trade the most, which is the purpose of all of our economic activity. And it also allows us to direct wealth into the future in the form of investment because we know that any returns we get in the future will come back in stable dollars, yen, euros, you name it. President Nixon's decision to delink the dollar from gold was utterly disastrous. It unleashed chaos in the economy. We have 5.3 trillion daily in, in currency trading, which is needless. And you have to ask yourself, what have we lost in terms of cancer cures, software innovations, transportation innovations that never took place because so many talented people were lured into trading the chaos rather than creating real economic advances. This is basic, and we've gone way off track. I just don't blame the Fed for this. Hey, man, once again, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Our two guests today are Daniel D. Martino Booth, who's president of Strong Money LLC, and John Tamney, editor of Clear, Real Clear Markets and political economy editor at Forbes. Uh, Danielle's book is Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America, and John Tamney, author who, who Needs the Fed, and we'll get into what he means by, and also another book is Popular Economics. Why do you use Taylor Swift, Uber, and Robots Tell Us About Money? And your book on economics, what about LeBron James, Rolling Stones, and downtown, Downton Abbey can teach you about economics? Why, well, why, why don't you use rock stars and sports stars? <laughs> well, the short answer to it is I've always been offended. It's kind of my middle finger to economists who have taken what is easy to understand and made it impossible to understand and boring through graphs and charts and formulas. And so I decided to remind people that economics is basic. It's as basic as understanding and observing the world around you. If, you. if you have an interest in rock stars and movies and music and sports, you'll know all you ever need to know about economics. I just explain economics through famous people because I want people to actually enjoy what's fun. Good for you. And then once again, Danielle, what do you have to say about Fed Up and Insider's Take on why Fed is bad for America? What do you have to say more specifically? Well, I think we've let, you know, over a thousand PhDs let power go to their head. And, and, and the cliche exists for a reason that, that power corrupts absolutely. And I think that a lot of people who populate the Fed right now believe that they're omnipotent. And because of that, they're actually in a position where they can do the economy harm. Amen. Amen. So anyway, once again, it goes back to the basic, you know, the three sides to every coin, heads, tails, and the edge of the coin. On, for me personally, at nine years old, on one side of the coin, I had my poor dad, Ph.D., poor, helpless, and desperate. He lived in his little bubble world. He thought he knew everything. On the other side of the coin was my rich dad, a man who was just a multimillionaire who had no education. And the world between academics and business are not the same world. And today we have Donald Trump versus Obama and Hillary. And some people hate Donald Trump and some people love him. And some people are hoping he's going to fix the economy. But anyway, we're in the same position. You know, it's like Cain and Abel and good cop and bad cop and all this. 
But it goes back to what John says about Steve Forbes. We don't trust our money. Our money is corrupted. If you understand that, you have a better chance of understanding why the Fed is so important today. Whether they believe in conspiracy or not conspiracy, in my opinion, the Fed is not, may not be corrupt, but they're incompetent. And once again, you can listen to this program anytime on your, on your schedule, iTunes or Android, and all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. reason we archive our programs because if you listen to this program again, you might understand it better because repetition is how we learn. You may hear new things. But also you can share this with friends, family, and business associates because especially this program, most people have no idea what the Fed is, what it does, or more importantly, why it affects your life. And I started this program with, you know, when I was a kid, I was told a lie of go to school and get a job. And today jobs are disappearing like crazy. Save money and interest rates are below zero. Debt is how money is created after 1971. And America's, not only America, I was just in Spain yesterday, and their retirement systems are bust. They have no money in their retirements. In America, CalPERS, which is the largest retirement system, public, public employee retirement system in America, CalPERS, it finally admitted they're $1 trillion underwater. So from my perspective, the Fed is doing its best to prop up the stock market so the retirement baby boomers can survive. But I don't think they can. You see, anything that's paper, after 1971, everything became paper, no longer attached to something that was real. And that's why, from my point of view, you need to understand the Fed. So, Danielle, when was your wake-up call, and why do you start... Why do you have no friends anymore, Daniel? <laughs> well, I didn't say I'm, I've got a lot of friends outside the Fed. Yeah, that's what um, I mean. That's you know, what I, excuse me. I'm sorry. So my wake-up call really came in, in 2009, 2010. I, I was still on the inside. I would be for four more years and follow uh, Richard Fisher, who used to run the Dallas Fed through his last voting rotations. But it was, there, there was a recognition inside the Fed that, wow, we missed this great big crisis. It was kind of coming right at us. And Maybe we're measuring inflation the wrong way. Maybe we're Amen. measuring how prices increase incorrectly. And then they said, you know what? We did. We, 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 we did this wrong, and we're going to do absolutely nothing about it. Amen. They're following, in my opinion, an obsolete economic theory. That's the problem. It's, it doesn't work. So, John. That was my wake-up call because they yeah. knew that they were wrong, and they said, eh, so much. So be it. They're not Our going to do anything. Our models are still really confusing to the outside world, so we're just going to stick with them. Yeah, that's correct. Those are academic types, like my poor dad. So, John, you know, you are, you're, again, a political economy editor at Forbes, and you wrote Who Needs the Fed? But you also worked at Goldman Sachs, today called Government Sachs. You know, and Goldman's alumni run the world's economy. I mean, even the head of the uh, Bank of England is run by a Canadian who is a Goldman alumni. They're all Goldman guys, and Trump just promoted another Goldman guy. So you worked at Goldman, but that was where your wake-up call came also? Yeah, well, what it was for me was just uh, CNBC being on every day and the constant refrain from economists that uh, if the economy grew too much, that it would cause inflation. And I said, wait a second, I grew up in the 1970s. I know what inflation is. It's a devaluation of the dollar, and it occurs exclusive of economic growth. If you look throughout history, economic growth is the biggest enemy that rising prices have ever known. Amen. I, 
IBM manufactured the first computer in 19, 1960s, cost over a million. Nowadays, we can get them for a few hundred dollars. The first ballpoint pen cost $15. Nowadays, we can get 60 paper mates for $750. The first laser printer cost $17,000. Now we get them for $100. Economic growth is about investment that drives down the price of everything. The Fed's models that say, uh, say, Growth and, and falling unemployment cause inflation are belied not just by empirical logic but by common sense, and so, that's so that was my interest. Yeah, so let me just say this: all of you out there, you have money in the bank. You're being ripped off by inflation because they can print money. And if you believe saving money is smart, just look at interest rates today. So everything you're doing. So what's killing you is not only inflation. But the devaluation, exactly as John is talking about here, is the printing of money. It's not they can just keep printing it. Now, is it criminal or what? I think it is. So all of you guys there are saving money. And then not only that, uh, the 401K was just coming out and said, hey, it's going to rip people off. It's ripping people off right now. When the next crash is going to take their money. So I'm not saying it's a conspiracy theory and all that stuff. But I see that people are being set up right now to lose everything. So, John, when when you saw what was saying on CNBC, which is called Bubble Vision, was that when your kind of wake-up call came or what? Yeah, well, that's, that's when I knew that there was just a lot of misinformation out there. But I think there's misinformation in a broad sense. Um, the Fed's cheerleaders say that it can create easy credit. But that's what the first part of my book is about. No, it cannot. We create credit in the real economy. The Fed can only misallocate it, and I say it really can. Um, in Silicon Valley, if you want to start a business, you'll give up a big portion of it to a venture capitalist, and even more in the form of stock options, potential employees. Very expensive credit in Silicon Valley. Investment bankers at Goldman Sachs are paid very well precisely because for a business to find capital to expand, it's very, very hard. Uh, Michael Milken made his fortune be his credits tight. Donald Trump hasn't been able to get a loan from a U.S. bank for ages. And the broad point here is that while the feds are here in Never Neverland presuming to create easy credit in the real economy, <laughs> we once again operate as though it doesn't exist. That's why we're a rich nation, precisely because the Fed is a fraud. Why we give it so much attention, I'll never know. <laughs> you know, I, I would jump in here because John's talking about kind of the – employer sector of the economy. Look at a credit card today. It's got a 20% interest rate on it. Try and buy a car, a subprime automobile loan, and, you know, if, if, if you're going to stretch out the payments. Look at that interest rate. I mean, this, this is ridiculous. Where the Fed does intrude and create too much easy credit is only for people who've already got it as cheap as they could possibly have it, the largest, the largest borrowers in the world. For them, it's just extra gravy, extra profit margin if you're IBM or if you're ExxonMobil. Yep. But and as I, far as if you need credit and you are not necessarily credit worthy, well, then to John's point, you're going to have to pay. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. It's a, it's a healthy statement. You know, ultimately, it's a healthy statement. The, the Fed is led by the markets. It does not lead the markets. It's, it's why, we, why we flatter it with attention is one of those frustrating mysteries. Well, how could how could Je Janet Yellen miss the real estate bubble, and she was the Fed in uh, San Francisco or something? 
Look, my favorite Janet Yellen story is that the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, and forget what that alphabet soup is, it's another banking regulator. By the way, we've got way too many in the country. We could streamline this down to one. But the day that she is trying to offer IndyMac, a big mortgage lender that went belly up during the subprime crisis, she's trying to throw them a credit lifeline while the OCC is shutting them down. <laughs> and this is the woman who we, were, we rely upon well, don't, to don't shepherd f- our economy? Remember, she's an academic from Berkeley and so is her husband. Never forget well, that. Says, oh, to me, it's ev- ev- everything in the world is poor dad versus rich dad to me. Really simple. I don't trust. Acad- I don't trust staggeringly obtuse to read. If you want to read really ridiculous things, read what her husband writes. But <laughs> I, I, I would just I would add to to Danielle's excellent point. The Fed, of course, always misses. And but in, in I'll just say the one thing in fairness to it, if the Fed could predict the future and see the trouble spots, these mediocrities wouldn't be working at the Fed. They'd be earning billions as investors. We're talking about the untalented, the people who couldn't get jobs in the real world in the first place. John, I thought you were I thought, John, I thought you were positive. How you really feel. Come on, don't hold back. Well, you know, I mean, think about it. They're the PhDs. Danielle points out so correctly that it's just a, it's an employment act for economists who are unemployable in the real world. Amen. Danielle had already, had already succeeded in the real world. You did it somewhat out of interest. It's not as though you needed the job at the Fed. Right, right, well, right, I, right. I kind of saw a serial bubble blower and thought that I might be able to come in and raise my hand and say, people, open your eyes. Clearly you've got the wrong formula. Maybe we, should, we, should we discuss? Raise your hand. Yep. And they were like, the minute, do not let the, the, the door slap you on the, on the way out. Once again, once again, Robert Kiyosaki of the Rich Dad Radio Show, our two spectacular guests today, Daniel Martino Booth, president of Strong Money LLC, former senior financial analyst with the Federal Reserve of Dallas, and she's the author of a brand new book, Fed Up, an insider's take on why the Federal Reserve is bad for America, and John Tamney, editor of Real Clear Markets, political economy editor at Forbes. And he's the author of Who Needs the Fed? Please check them out, you guys, because they're telling you stuff you'll never hear on any of the financial news networks. This is most important stuff. So the question here is, you know, what can the average person do? Can Trump save us right now? I mean, we got open seats and all this. I don't think, why would anybody want a job at the Fed? But, John, do you think Trump can save us? Drain the swamp, as they say. Um, I don't think so. Uh, presidents have been promising to drain the swamp forever. They never do. Um, <laughs> he's got good ideas on taxes and deregulation. I think his his de- desire to put up protectionist barriers to foreign goods and to value the dollar is horrifying. And so, what I hope is that he gets his tax cuts and then goes and plays golf for four years. He'll have a great presidency <laughs> if he pursues his anti-trade agenda. Um, watch out. <laughs> you should be so a stat- I'm, um, I'm going to be a, a wee bit more nuanced here because, as somebody said to me recently, if Fed can't do it, if, if Donald Trump can't fix the Fed, nobody can because Donald Trump, last I checked, has no special interest. He's not beholden to anybody. So if he can't do it, nobody can. But on the other hand, he did remind us that he's a debt guy. So we just have to hope that he understands that creditworthy does not necessarily i mean hopefully he understands that the fed is not necessarily going to make sure that all the infrastructure tax cuts blah 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 sails through cheap cheap cheaply and he put put some outside thinkers some mavericks in there who know that no is not a four letter word because right now at the fed it is well john what do you think about 
uh, promoting a Goldman character to head up with a treasurer or whatever he did? I question the per- the choice of Steve Mnuchin. You know, I, I'm, I'm not a Goldman Sachs hater. I, I'm not a Wall Street hater. I love Wall Street. I think they do some of the most difficult things in the world, getting credit and resources to businesses that transform us. What I hate are bailouts. I, I don't. I think Wall Street's success is a function of the failures dying. Um, so, I don't mind someone good from Goldman. I think it's full of talented people. I just question Mnuchin. What's his history? What's his stance on the dollar? Does he have a, a view of, of what the dollar should be? Does he, does he think that it should be defined in terms of gold? Does he think it should be stable as as we three apparently do? I don't know that. I wish we had kind of gotten confirmation of that before Trump appointed him. So, Danielle, what is your thought on Trump? Well, look, I don't think about him a lot, but that's why I hope that he's got – well, I mean, he's a little, he's a little erratic. Um, but I do hope that he's got um, – what's the proper lady term here? The spine. That's what I'm looking at. Um, I'm hoping that Trump has the spine to really put some people in who are going to shake things up. And, again, people who run the Fed, they have defined benefit plans for life. I know. They can care less if the stock market crashes. It's not going to affect their retirement cushion. I know. That's what. So, I mean, put somebody in there who's, you know, who's been on the receiving end of crappy Fed policy and see if you can't get some things done. That's what I hope for Trump. Amen. You know, what you're talking about here is like rich dad versus poor dad. We have many people running the economy who are not at risk from the economy. Yet we have millions and millions of people whose lives are at risk and their children's lives are at risk because they're not going to go to Harvard or Yale or NYU or Columbia. And their lives are at risk because they believe in saving money, getting a job, getting out of debt, saving for retirement, and they're being ripped off. That's, that's my point of view. It could be intentional or it's incompetence. Your, your choice right here. So before we end, I want to ask, uh, let's start with John. You know, what tip do you have for listeners who are trying to build wealth or hang on to what they have left? <laughs> Don't try to be smarter than the market. Just keep on saving. Uh, as Warren Buffett always says, he uh, he invests no matter who's president. Uh, you never bet against the, uh, the American economy. Ultimately, you're rewarded if you're if you're invested in the United States. Okay, thank you. And then, well, also that we're a, we're an international broadcast company so a lot of people are u.s centric but i look i I, like i said i was just in um spain and their their retirement plans are bankrupt same as our social security as well as kelpers and chicago and illinois so we have all this stuff going on yet people have what i consider a saver mentality i think i'd be a little bit smarter than that so danielle what one tip do you have for the average person today well, I've got my 70-year-old mother in a, in a very quiet little Vanguard Ginny May fund um, because anybody who's planning on the entire U.S. government blowing up is – well, I mean, then, then, then we should all just go home. Um, and I also I, – I think there's something to be said for a great municipal bond fund manager. A lot of the country is going to blow up following its pensions down the river, and you just mentioned a few, but a lot of the country is not going to blow up. So find yourself a really capable municipal bond fund manager – who's going to help you squeak out that extra yield on your hard-earned and saved dollars. Good advice. It's not what I do. Everybody knows that Rich said I don't do any of that stuff because I don't trust anything in paper. I, I'm a hard asset guy. So I'm either gold, oil, or real estate. So that's where I'm at. Cause, and I love debt. You know, Debt is free money to me. I just love it. And it's tax-free money. 
So anyway, what my 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 thing to everybody who's listening to this is that your wealth is being ripped off via inflation and taxes and incompetence. So that's the most important thing to listen. And thank you all for listening to this whole point of view on the Fed from two people who have insider views that from very lofty positions that I don't come from. So again, once again, you know, I thank Daniel DiMartino Booth. Please get our book, Fed Up, and Insiders Look at Why the Federal Reserve is Bad for America, and John Tamney, and his book is author of Who Needs the Fed. The most important thing is do your best to be aware and understand whether you believe in conspiracy, incompetence, or whatever you want to know. The reality is most people are in financial trouble today. The question is, what happens if you've been lied to? You know, what if you still believe in getting a job, job security? Obsolete idea. Also, saving money. And maybe people get really comfortable. Yeah, I'm saving money. But what if you knew that inflation and taxes was ripping off your wealth anyway? You know, what if you knew that? What would you do? Why would interest rates be at zero or negative one? What do you do then? Still believe in saving money when the Fed can print money after 1971? And what about retirement? What if you realize that the 401k is a fraud? You know, mutual funds were just going to rip off your wealth and make Wall Street richer. Would you still do that? Would you still believe that the 401 can save your butt into, you know, let's say you live to 102. Will the 401k still keep you alive that long? So that's why I want to thank Danielle and John, you know, because everybody has a point of view. I have my point of view and all this. And the Rich Dad Radio Show is does its best to keep an open mind and listen to different points of view. There's no way I'd have a municipal fund, you know, but if you don't know any better, get a municipal bond. You know, I don't do that. I am like Trump. We use debt and taxes to get rich. The rich don't pay taxes, and the rich use debt. Now, you want to buy mutual funds? That's your choice. But I don't waste my time or money on that stuff. Okay, so we'll ask Robert right now. You can submit your questions at richdadradio.com to ask Robert. And so, Melissa, what's the first question? Our first question today comes from Tashika in North Carolina, favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. She says, if the U.S. dollar is on the verge of crashing, is it best to finance your personal home or pay for it with silver and gold? That's a great question, but if you if the, if the dollar is crashing, I'd use debt. As, as Donald Trump says, I'm the king of debt. I thought it was interesting that John says he can't get a loan here. Maybe, maybe that's why he doesn't like the Fed. But I got a lot of loans, so the rich are different. Remember, there's three sides to a coin, heads, tails, or the edge of the coin. And we at Rich Dad Radio want you to stand on the edge. So I would, if I had a house and I was, and my forecast was that the dollar was going to collapse, I'd be in debt because you can pay back debt with cheaper dollars. Now, if you think the dollar is going to get weaker or you don't have money, then you should pay it off no debt. But it all depends upon you and your financial education. The Rich Dad Radio does, we, I do my best to keep an open mind, although I think most people are suckers going to school and getting a job, saving money, getting out of debt, and hoping the 401k or the IRA, one of those paper-laden investment vehicles will keep them alive. I think you're in la-la land, but that's my opinion. I'd rather have debt, I'd rather have land, and I'd rather have real gold. I don't know if you know this, but it's estimated for every ounce of real gold, there's 5,000 ounces of paper gold. That means if five, that's like you having one acre of land and sold it to 5,000 people. Think about that for a while. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Eric in Orlando, Florida. Favorite book, also Cashflow Quadrant. Says so due to trillions of dollars printed in circulation, is it possible that the U.S. may revert to electronic money and physical commodities like gold and silver? 
I doubt gold and silver, but I think they will go to electronic money. They're already trying to, you know, India are already trying that. They don't want us to have paper money. So by having more or less what we call consider electronic money, they have more control over our lives. I think the bigger question is this, you know, are you a capitalist, socialist, or fascist? People like Obama and Clinton, again, not politically uh, active, but those guys are fascists. They want to tell you how to run your life. So they want you to just follow in line with your life and do as you're told. So that's why Trump is a disruptor coming in. He says, I want to get rid of Dodd-Frank. I want to get rid of Obamacare and all this. Now, millions of people hate him for doing that because they've drank the Kool-Aid. And they actually think the fascist, you know, like, and FDR was a fascist, so was Nixon. It's not Republican or Democrat. They just want you to run. They want to run your life. They want to tell you how you should live according to their rules. If you're like that, you know, invest in mutual funds and the 401k and do as you're told. Get a job. You know, I mean all that. But I am more like Trump. I don't care. I don't want you, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want somebody to tell me how to run my life and how to spend my money. I don't want you taking taxes out of my paycheck. And I don't want you ruining my savings through inflation. So every time you put money in the bank, you're losing your money through inflation and taxes. Why would you do that? Because you don't know any better. And the reason this program is so important is the Fed. Not only the Fed, it's the European ECB, the Bank of Japan, Bank of China, and the Bank of England. They all do the same thing. And I like what John Tamney says. He's not either for or against them. They exist. The question for you is how do you respond to what they do? And I like what John said. John, John said it best. There's like a 1,000 PhDs in econ economics at the Fed. The only reason they're there is they can't get a job on Wall Street. Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Gard in Norway, favorite book, Cash Flow Quadrant. Since you have said that you are in cash, what exactly does that mean? Does that mean to have your money stored outside the bank system in a bank account or a money-marked account? Well, I'll never tell you where I hide my money hidden, but it's not in this country. I'll tell you that much. So um, I have cash, but not for savings. I have cash for opportunities because sometimes when cash really does help, you can pay cash for something, it works. Most people are saving cash as an asset. You know, they count, they're going to, they hope the cash will be there when they retire. But look, your money, your cash is being devalued by inflation and taxes. Every person in the Fed has a defined benefit pension plan. I mean, it's a guaranteed pension. They're not worried about their 401k because they don't have one. Neither is every senator and congressman in the United States. They don't have a defined contribution like a 401k or IRA. They don't have to worry about it. So they don't worry about you. But you might have to worry about how you can survive in retirement. So that's why I think you should wake up. I think the 401k was one of the biggest ripoffs ever in the history of the world. It hurted millions of baby boomers into the stock market. The stock market, as I'm talking, is at an all-time high. It'll probably maybe hit 22 to 24,000, the Dow. And then the greatest heist will take place. The market will crash, and all the baby boomers who are buying, holding, and praying, and like Obama, hoping, will get ripped off. They won't have a retirement. As I said, CalPERS is already a trillion dollars under debt, the largest pension fund in public servants. Illinois, state of Illinois, where Obama's friend is bankrupt. You know, they're already bankrupt, and you're still putting your money in the stock market? You know, you've really got to be silly, in my opinion. But that's why the Rich Dad Radio Show here is going to you have three sides, heads, tails of the edge, you can stand on the edge and look at it. But I don't trust anything you can print. 
They can print a stock. You can print cash. Why? I'd rather have gold and real estate. I mean, real real estate, not an REIT, real estate investment trust. I want everything real right now. Now, I have cash just in case something real pops up. 